Our scripture lesson is found in the first book of Mark, first chapter, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Would you pray the prayer of illumination with me? Prepare our hearts, O Lord, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Before we get into our sermon, I would like to recognize one of the prayer concerns. Matt and Julie Burkhurst have their first foster child. How exciting. Tell me his name. Hamza. Wonderful. Let us know how we can be of gift and blessing to you, for you are already gift and blessing to us. Thank you. How exciting. On the morning of New Year's Day, I decided to take down Christmas. Not because Christmas is over, that happened on yesterday, but because that is my best window for getting that job done. Well, as I got started, I wanted to clean out some of those Christmas items that I don't use much anymore, and then that led to reorganizing the basement, <laughs> which led to cleaning the basement, much to my husband's surprise. <laughs> and the cleaning of the basement then led to the cleaning of several cupboards upstairs, because, you know, you got to move stuff around. And that led... So why don't I just clean the oven? <laughs> Which led to, I think I'll start dinner for tomorrow and throw in a load of laundry. It's sad how much I enjoy it. 
It really is. Now, some of you out there recognize yourself in that story, and others of you hate it when we hit that gear. But for me, for me, there is this invigorating experience that happens when I clean things out. It is almost a spiritual experience for me because there are those who study this stuff and they say that our environment often reflects who we are emotionally and spiritually and sometimes even relationally. So when you clean the clutter, it makes room in your heart and mind and life for other things. It is a spiritual weight loss experience for me and my drive for faithfulness was renewed in numerous ways and places. John's whole mission in his ministry was to get rid of the stuff that weighs us down in our lives. And he knew it would take place in a ritual washing in which a new path could be decided and begun. Baptism was a way of, of going under the water and killing all of the things that prevent us from being the best of ourselves and rising to a newness of life. This was no small or tame experience. Mark is the only book in our scriptures that announces itself as a gospel, meaning the good news of Jesus Christ. He intentionally starts this good news for us with the introduction of Jesus' baptism because baptism is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's huge. It's no accident that when Jesus rises from the water, God's voice booms from heaven and makes it clear that an encounter with God has happened. Jesus has taken skin on so that you and I can witness and experience who God is. John indicates that his washing is a good cleaning start for that relationship. But you just wait until Jesus comes and he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit baptism is going to create the activity of God within us. And just so we really get it, the heavens open and God says, this is my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. Give it a ponder. Think on it in your heart. To be who we are created to be, a recognition of the junk and the clutter in our lives is necessary. Acknowledging the problem is crucial to our journey. Baptism comes along and breaks the power of the big S, the stuff we can't forgive ourselves, 
It washes us clean and fills us with the power of the Spirit. What does that mean in your life? If we took a good hard look and were honest with ourselves about the brokenness that's real in our lives, it has to be acknowledged. The presence of our guilt is a real thing. Although we carefully and meticulously try to hide it from each other. If our thoughts were displayed as a ticker tape across the front of our foreheads, we'd all have to wear hats. <laughs> it's true, because it would reveal that we're not nearly as patient or kind or thoughtful as we think we are. Are not our grown children torn between how to care for their families and what to do to prepare for their parents? Are not siblings struggling between each other or parents with estranged children? Hurt words between old friends do a damage and you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. All of this is present on any given Sunday. And the whole church hungers for the good news concerning the guilt and the pain that we feel. Are we not poised like John's generation between a troubled past and the unprecedented potential of the future? There's some pondering do, to do, some cleaning up to take place. That's why John's baptism has several components. The first one is confession. We gotta know what kind of stain we're removing. Don't know if you know, but I grew up with parents who ran a dry cleaning business. And my dad often did the spotting. And it was always helpful to know what the stain was. Because if it was chocolate, you used one formula. And if it was blood, you used another. If it was wine, you used another. You see, the composition was required to know in order to be effective at the cleaning agent. You had to get to the root of the stain. Confession, my friends, does just that. When it comes to dealing with sin, we often treat the laundry list as something that we've committed. We know we've done some stuff over the past and we want to make a resolution to make it right. But when we talk about this kind of sin, it's not just the list or the mistakes that we've made. Baptism comes for the big S, the big stain, the one that holds a power over us and would defeat us were it not for Christ. You and I don't have a formula for that. We need a real Savior, a Messiah, to do that cleaning. The good news that Mark reveals is that the Son of God has come to do just that, and he's come to do it through the cross and through his resurrection so that you and I know sin cannot hold us. 
That's why our baptism incorporates us into the Messiah's saving work. Our work is to dig down and figure it out and root it up so that we're aware and can do the washing. I don't know if you know Richard Dunbar. He's a retired United Methodist pastor. And he did something once that only a pastor ready to retire or to be moved would do. (laughs) I'm serious. They had just built this beautiful new fellowship hall. And they're doing the dedication ceremony. And he takes a paper cup of red Kool-Aid and pours it on the new carpet. You could hear the entire place gasp. What Richard did was put the first ding in the car. You know, it's a new car. It's a wonderful new thing until you heard it the first time and then it's just the car, right? Well, he put the first ding in the fellowship hall because he knew that they had put so much into putting up this beautiful new building that their sin would be to protect the building and prevent the children and families and worship from using it up to the glory of God's kingdom. You know we're completely capable of it. That's why we got to confess and call the sin what it is. Repentance is the next step. So if confession brings up the spot, repentance puts us in the new and right direction. It's no mistake that our liturgy says, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? In other words, are you ready to get rid of it? Francesca Matthews Green says that repentance is both door and path. She says that basically Jesus appears and begins his entire message of repent and believe in the good news. Not just to the scribes and to the Pharisees, not just to the powerful, but to the poor and the oppressed, because repentance is a key to switching on life. Talk of repentance in our day makes Christians real nervous. We're embarrassed by the stereotype of old-fashioned pastors hammering on sin and making people feel guilty. We rush to assert that Jesus isn't really like that. He came out of love and he wants to help us, which is all true. He knows us deep inside and feels our every pain, and his healing love has come to set us free. Matthew's green, though, presses us. She says this is one of those truths that runs out of gas halfway home. The question is, what do we need to do to be healed of? Subjectively, we think we need sympathy and comfort because we felt loneliness and unease. 
but objectively, our hearts are eaten through, and we know deep down that a hug and a smile aren't enough. We've got to repent. Because repentance is the doorway to a spiritual life and the only way to begin. It is the path itself, the way to continue. Only repentance is brute honesty enough and joyous enough to bring us all the way home. So if confession is the identification of spiritual clutter the stuckness we have been in, then repentance is the process of throwing it out and knowing who loves us through it. Michael Iaconelli shares the story of an English pastor who got up one Sunday morning and announced to his congregation that he no longer believed and that he would be leaving Can you imagine a pastor standing up and saying that? And of course, the congregation was was not only shocked, but they tried to figure out then, well, what do we do now? So they got themselves back together, and their leadership called the pastor and said, we'd like to see you after church. You can imagine what was going to happen. They would accept his resignation. They would figure out a financial package, and then they'd start the search for a new pastor, except that isn't what happened. What they did is they invited their pastor who was so broken and hurting and burned out and feeling so lost to get up in their pulpit on every Sunday morning and to preach his doubts. Not so that they would argue with him, but so that he could work through the experience of his struggle in a community of faith that loved him and would hold him until it had been worked out. It took him three years. Can you imagine? Three years till the day he stood up in the pulpit and with tears in his eyes thanked them for believing in the gospel and living it when he couldn't and helping to restore his faith and his ministry. This is not easy stuff. This baptism, this confession and repentance, because what it moves us to is a sense of God's true and deep forgiveness. You see, that's the result of it. Do we understand the implications? For when sins are forgiven in Christ's name, they are truly forgiven. And when in Revelation 3, Jesus says, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come to you and eat with you and you with me. That's why John adds the component of the gift of the Holy Spirit as a part of baptism. He says, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
Our baptismal rituals are so quiet and familiar that we forget that we've invited God to invade our lives. This should not be a comfortable thing. We've just invited our earthiness to be invited into the molding power of the Spirit. Karl Barth says that God's claim of Jesus in this story is that God does not desire to remain hidden. Baptism then has transformed us into God's beloved children for the more. It's no mistake in our liturgy that we say, do you accept the power and the freedom God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Because discipleship is hard work. It joins us to Christ with freedom and equips us with what we need to do for mission. Blendon Lane says it this way, Divine love is incessantly restless until it turns all woundedness into health, all deformity into beauty, and all embarrassment into laughter. The intent of baptism is to make all of life holy. Do you know who I mean when I say Keith and Natalie back? Natalie is the daughter of one of our church families. She sends us their newsletter from the Indiana University crew. She shared this week that uh, they had been to their conference of Midwest students and that it had gone off with a huge bang and that the main speaker had invited students who were interested in being a part of uh, caring for the poor, vulnerable children or orphans, that they could meet Natalie later. At the end of the conference, she's texted that there are eight of them waiting for her. These students go on to be through a three-session conference with Keith in which they're challenged to attack the brokenness of the world, specifically in regard to clean water, human trafficking, and refugees. Big stuff. Big stuff. And what Keith says is that these kids not only want to share their life with Christ and witness to the power of Christ, but they're going to live as Christ in the world for the transformation of it. That's what baptism does. Natalie and Keith understand their baptism. The afternoon of the 30th, they went out and witnessed to 1,966 people offering food. And when they offered the food, they told them why they were there because God loved them and God loved them they're bringing the food to. And they just wanted to share the gospel. 61 people gave their lives to Christ in a day. She said they drove home tired, but lives were changed. There's more, my friends. More than water, more power than we can imagine, more freedom 
more cleaning, stuff that makes us into new creatures and sets us into the kind of activity that spreads love. What's the more? You are. God loves you and me and frees us to live. And we are exactly what God needs to do the mighty work witnessed in our baptism. I invite you today to remember it and be thankful.